0: Welcome back to the FNF Coaches Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Before we welcome today's guest, I want to share with listeners that we just recently published the preseason edition of FNF Coaches, which has a theme of fighting the good fight. We share stories about ways in which coaches are dealing with the impact of the pandemic from the challenges offered by postponements, cancellations, recruiting dead periods, fundraising shortfalls, and the mental health toll on players and coaches. We will be publishing stories from the edition on our website at fnfcoaches.com. If you're interested in subscribing to the magazine, look, at, look for the subscribe tab at the top of the page at fnfcoaches.com. Also, the FNF Coaches podcast is now available on iTunes as well as various other platforms, including Spotify. Get a year-long subscription to FNF Coaches print magazine. That's six editions delivered to your door when you do the following. Download our podcast on iTunes or Spotify, subscribe to it, leave a review or a star rating, and send us a screen capture of your review at fnfataeengine.com. Today's podcast guest is Missouri Football Coaches Association Hall of Fame coach, Mark Thomas. Thomas is currently the head coach at Odessa High School, his alma mater. There, he has led teams to state championships as both a player and coach. He also coaches at Kearney and Belton High School, experiencing high levels of success at both schools. He has a career record of 154 and 104 and has twice earned Coach of the Year honors. Coach, thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I want to uh, start, you know, we're we're actually keeping a chart of where each state is in terms of their return to play. And uh, I just looked at Missouri. It looks like you guys are right on the brink of starting your season this week
1: absolutely we uh friday friday this friday will be our our first game of the year
0: that's great yeah it looks like you know just from the chart it's probably 10 or 15 school or 10 or 15 states i should say pushed it to the spring uh a lot a couple went to the winter like Jan, you know january or early february start dates but there are a lot of schools you know looking to do it either either have recently gotten started i think they started in alabama and um, a couple other states last weekend, Utah was one of the first to come back. Uh, what was the summer like for you to to prepare and to make sure that you're preparing in a safe way?
1: Well, for for us, the the summer was as challenging a situation as I've ever been I've, as I've ever experienced. Um, it was kind of different depending on where you where you were at or where where your school's located in the state. Uh, for us, we were uh, we got shut down four separate times during the course of the summer. Uh, our first opponent this week, they started their uh, summer conditioning workouts on June 1st. We didn't start ours till June 22nd. Our state association did not come out and... Uh, put together a uh, a plan for everybody to follow they just kind of left it up to the individual school districts to determine when when you would want to start or could start what your county you know health departments were allowing you to do um things of that nature and for us it was just uh it was one it was one big frustration after another um Normally, in a, you know, in, a, in a normal summer, we will have anywhere from 28 to 32 conditioning workouts. And then we are, in our state, we're allowed uh, to, up to 20 what, we, what are called contact days, which are days where we could, uh, our coaching staff can uh, be in contact with our team and be working on football activities. And, uh, normally we will go 19 to 20 every summer. Uh, this, this summer we got five. Hmm. So we were, our, our conditioning workouts, I think we, we totaled eight conditioning workouts throughout the summer. So we we were at about 25% less than what we normally are not 25% less, 75% less. We got about a fourth of what we normally would get during the summer. So it's been, uh, It's been pretty stressful to say the least.
0: Why were you getting shut down? Did you have positive tests on your team or was it your district or what, what was the decision to shut it down?
1: It it was a situation where our administration was just kind of, uh, they were just kind of gun shy. Um, You know, they were afraid. We have not had a positive test in our school, not one. And which is, remarkable as far as i'm concerned but it was the possibility you know somebody was maybe exposed or whatever and they were shutting down not individual teams they were shutting down all activities and uh, it was just um, again it was very frustrating because we were conducting all this different protocol for our kids screening our kids every time they came in for a workout, every time they came in for a a camp session or a football practice or what have you. And, and I'm like, why are we bothering to do this screening if we're not actually using it because we shut down at the possibility of, you know, anything. And um, so again, it was, it was extremely frustrating. Um, but we, but not one positive test was the cause of our shutdowns. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I talked to a coach from Texas a couple of weeks ago who um, actually started a survey among Texas coaches. Cause he, he had the same issue where his County kept shutting down football and, and, you know, he'd start and they'd go for a week and then they'd shut down for two weeks and then they'd come back. And like you said, that's frustrating. You have a plan as a coach and you're you're trying to implement that plan and then they're not really using facts or uh, information on the ground to make these decisions. So he started a survey among coaches and they found, you know, over the course of an entire county, they probably had a dozen or 20, 20 positive tests among players on teams. But they were finding that the players were actually not spreading the virus in team settings. They weren't doing it at practice. They weren't doing it during meetings. They were. Like, right before they would restart practice, all these players would be like, all right, we're going to have to form our bubble, so we're going to go see some family or we're going to see some friends, and then, you know, they'd get the virus that way, and then they'd bring it to the team, and then those were the results of the positive test. So the coaches were trying to argue that it's not really spreading in football settings, but how is that possible? Like, how how are you able to keep your players so safe and have zero positive tests at the school. What what um, safety precautions are you taking? Other than, you know, the daily screening, obviously, are you doing, are you wearing masks or what, what other precautions are you taking?
1: We, we are wearing masks uh, when they're, you know, in the locker room facility, getting dressed uh, for, you know, we're limiting the number of athletes we'll have in our locker room at one time. Um, our state association has come out with uh, some protocol that, if you're actually engaged or involved in a, you know, in in a, actually on the field playing and participating, you don't have to wear your mask. But if you go to the sideline, then you will have to wear a mask. And so that's kind of what we're trying to do with our players. Uh, we have actually we purchased gators for our entire team to where the you know the arctic cooled gators that they can you know they can get them wet and that helps with the heat and that sort of thing but it also serves as a mask but now the state has come out and said that the gators are not legal to wear during games because of the concern with uh horse collar tackling and so i we we're still in the process of trying to figure out what we're going to do. We're wearing them in practice, but we're not going to be able to wear them in games. So we're going to have to come up with another option. But, you know, to answer your question, we, you know, we we really were on talk to our kids about, you know, limiting uh, being, you know, going into situations where they were going to be around large groups of people. To maintain their distance from people, particularly outside of their their immediate family, um, and um, you know our our community is not a real large community. There's only about five thousand people in our town, and uh, we have probably around six hundred and thirty students in our school. So it's not a real big school. It's you know it's a it's a class three school in Missouri, which is you know the kind of middle of the road, but uh, we Just, you know, our county itself hasn't had a lot of cases, and um, you know, so I think that that has a lot to do with it as well. So, um, you know, I think our kids have done a pretty good job of paying attention to the things little things that we have to do to try to keep them safe and uh and be able to play this fall.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. The uh, the funny thing is, I, I live in Massachusetts and the uh, they've postponed football here until February, which for Massachusetts, that's going to be a crazy time to start a football season because there's, <laughs> you know, that's when you have yeah. 20 degree temperatures and snow right. on the ground. And the other weird part about that decision is it seems like with the more research and information that they get on the virus, they, they find that it's so it spreads so much less frequently outdoors. And, you know, I talked to a coach from Massachusetts last week, And he's like, yeah, it's basically going to be all indoor workouts when we start in February. We're not going to be able to practice outside. So delaying the season while you're buying yourself some time, if things aren't that much different, then I don't know that that's going to be much safer. But um, right um,
1: in Missouri, this just happened a couple of weeks ago. They passed you. We have the option of moving our fall sports season to the spring and they're Again, our state association is not wanting to step out and mandate anything. They're just basically leaving it up to individual school districts, which is really going to kind of make a mess of things here in Missouri, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, But they have the option of playing in the fall or playing in the spring. And you know, when I was making when I was uh, sharing that information with our team one of our seniors' first question out of his mouth was, well, what are they going to do about the playoffs, Coach? And the the answer is from, from our state association that uh, there will be a, pl- a fall playoff and a spring playoff. And so I don't know. We don't know what that's going to look like, but w- w- there supposedly is going to be a, a playoff system for the fall and the spring and our state is pretty much divided the st louis which is the east side of the state the st louis area had most of those schools are opting out and going to play this spring
0: hmm.
1: on the west side of the state which is the kansas city area that they just recently the biggest conference in the kansas city area which is called the suburban conference and there's four it's actually, it's like a conference of 25 schools and it's divided into four divisions. And no, I'm sorry, 27 schools. And they voted, their superintendents voted uh, just yesterday and passed to play this fall 27 to 27 in favor and zero against. So our state is going to be pretty divided, I think, particularly in the, in the metropolitan areas of, of, of the East side versus the West side. And Mm -hmm. that is always in past history. That has always been kind of a, there's always been a, a natural rivalry between the St. Louis area high schools and the Kansas city area high schools as which side of the state has the best high school football. And, uh, we're not even going to be able to determine the the winner of that this year because it sounds like we're going to be playing different seasons.
0: Right. Yeah, that's that's too bad. The it well, I I didn't I'm surprised that it is split like that because what from what I see, you know, on social media and talking to coaches, it seems like, you know, maybe 80, 90% of coaches want to play now, you know, there but I think that's probably just a result of if you want to play, you're outspoken about it. If you don't, if you want to wait till spring, you're probably not posting on Twitter like, "Oh, we don't want to play," you know, because that's right. not, that's not going to motivate right. motivate your team.
1: Well, our conference last uh, it was a, a yester a week ago yesterday. Our conference coaches were, the conference we're in is called the Missouri Missouri River Valley Conference. There's 14 schools. We have two divisions, which are basically a larger school division and a smaller school. And there's eight teams in the larger, which is w- the division we're in. And we're the smallest school in that, but there's eight teams. And so we had a Zoom meeting last, last Monday. And I kind of, them, and, th- and we had just found out about this information about whether you can, cho- whether, how you can choose to go uh, fall or spring. And at that point in time, I was kind of leaning towards trying to move to the spring because I felt like that gave us our best chances of being able to play our entire season. And I felt, you know, and I still feel this way to a certain degree. I think if we try to play this fall, that there's gonna be some shutdowns, whether it happens to us or some of the other, our, some of the teams we're gonna be playing and we're gonna lose some ball games. and um, and then that'll be unfortunate because from from my standpoint you know the kids are the ones who are going to lose out on this and particularly your seniors and uh, you want to you know you want to see them be able to play their entire senior season
0: right yeah the scheduling is going to be the probably a big challenge i would imagine and you mentioned the seniors. I, I do feel bad for them. I feel bad for, you know, the seniors from last year, too, who missed their spring seasons. It's uh, it's something that I think a lot of coaches are uh, thinking about right now is that, you know, how this is going to take a toll. I think parents are, too. You know, I have two kids, and, I you know, you worry about what mental toll, and, you know, this is going to take on kids. My kids are 7 and 5, which are pretty formative ages for them to be right. – Right um, you know, socializing with other kids, and you know the learning is okay. the remote learning i it's not my preference, but they it works okay. I think they my kids sure. are you know do it, but I think the social aspect where you know that's a it's a big time in their lives to make friends and learn about that absolutely um what what are you noticing about the mental and you said you you lost a lot of workouts too what about what about the players' mental and physical health at this point? what have you been noticing
1: well I think our mental health is actually improving. You know, it's, you can kind of see them starting to kind of come together. And, uh, you know, the the kids who really have lost out the most, in my opinion, have been our incoming freshmen, who, and and our freshmen actually practice with our varsity. And so uh, they're the ones who have kind of have had a real struggle because in, during the, the spring, pr, you know, prior to the summer, we do, we have a lot of, we'll have uh, one hour workouts two or three days a week before school where they kind of, we start in, you know, implementing and teaching some of our our, our concepts and that kind of thing. And so, but the biggest thing is the modeling behavior they can see from our older players this is how we this is how we do business. This is how we practice. This is how you know. This is paying attention, the accountability, and all the little things that these incoming freshmen have to learn. Well, they've missed all of that, and so now they're having to play catch up. And we we didn't even have the summer to very many workouts this summer for them. So. Everything has been new for them, but I feel like our older players have really kind of taken those young guys under their wing and trying to teach them the ropes and show them what they need to know and how to go about preparing and doing things. And so uh, it's been pretty neat to see that. My biggest concern going into this season is our overall just our conditioning. We don't have a lot of depth on our team this year. And uh, we're looking at, you know, we'll, we're going to probably have eight kids playing both ways, and uh, um, they're going to, you know, their conditioning is. I'm I'm really concerned about them being able to just play an entire season, and at, at that at that pace and with you know that much pressure on them, and trying to keep them healthy because if we end up with a, a for us, if you get one kid banged up, it's like losing two starters. So um, it's, a, it's a difficult, it will be difficult. And so it's for, for me, it's probably one of the biggest challenges that I've had to deal with. And this, I'm going into my 41st year as in, in high school or in coaching. And, um, I've obviously have never had to deal with anything like this before.
0: Yeah, it's, a, it's amazing. It's, um, and you know, that the, natural response you want to say oh well everybody's in the same boat but like you said the team you're playing this friday is not in the same boat they've had more opportunities for conditioning and workout, so it's not exactly a level playing field like it normally would be where everybody you know is doing the same thing yeah how will it impact you know I i know coaches love to talk game planning and x's and o's do so are, will you try to shorten the games by uh, keeping the clock running, running the ball more? Like what are you going to do to try to combat combat the fact that you haven't had as many opportunities for conditioning and that uh, you're a little bit shorthanded this year with eight two-way starters?
1: Yeah, we – you know, we're just – obviously we have to kind of see what fits our players. You know, I've always been – I've always kind of had the attitude that your offense and your defense, uh, has to kind of take on the personality of your, of what your players can handle, what they can, you know, what they do well, <clears throat> you know, maybe trying to limit some of the things that they struggle with. And, you know, and we're, we're figuring that out. We're, we have a new quarterback this year and, um, our, the our quarterback from last year he was he he started for three and a half years for. us. So when you've got a new guy coming in and you're trying to figure out okay, what what does he do well? what is he what is he struggling with? And that obviously has a, a big effect on your your offense as a whole. Um, only having one returning starter on the offensive line coming back, that's always uh, a concerning issue. But with that being said, we know that we had this conversation last night after practice, our offensive line could be better than the offensive line we had last year. And we set a lot of state state scoring records last year. So we we know that we have the potential. It's just a matter of of getting, you know building and that kind, of, you know, building it up defensively. We feel pretty strong about our football team that way because that's where we have we have eight returning starters coming back on our defense. So we, I feel it makes me feel better because when you know you know when you have a strong defense, you're going to have a chance to win every ball game if you can keep the score under control. So it's just going to be a matter of our offense being able to kind of not put us in bad situations. So so you know we're we're kind of figuring that figuring that out and it'll be good to get this first game under our belt so we can see what uh see you know we're going to be able to find out a lot more about our football team after friday
0: yeah absolutely yeah. and i think our coaches who are in states where it's been postponed you know to january february or or, or most are to the spring are wondering how what the game day experience is going to look like this year in terms of Pre-game meals. Will they have fans in the seats? Will they be streaming games for fans who can't be there? Will there be, you know, limited capacity? What do they do after the game? What's your game day? What are you expecting for your game day experience?
1: Well, it's going to vary from uh, game to game because it, it you know, what we're going to be doing for our home games is going to be different than what we're, do- what we'll be doing, say, for example, this game on Friday, because we're, you know, we're having to travel several counties across the state, you know, and different counties have different, uh, have different protocol that, that are expected to be followed. Um, you know, we're trying to, you know, the pre-game meals and that kind of thing that obviously is going to have a different look because it's going to be boxed food for, for for what it's worth. And so uh, we'll probably try to encourage the kids to do more, you know, trying to eat at home. We know that we have a few kids on our team that don't have that, have that luxury, but many do. So that's what that'll look like. Um, going into this first game, we are uh, our state association has uh, requested that you only travel your essential what they call whatever essential players um, so we're only traveling 30 players this this Friday and uh, we will have access to a locker room because it we' we're, we're traveling about two hours to to this game which is a, about an hour longer than what our normal length of a a, away game force is um but a lot of places we're going we know that we're not going to have access to a locker room prior to the game so there may be some things that we're having to do prior to departure for away games um in terms of uh you know meetings and uh you know getting dressed and taping and any of those kind of things that have to be done prior to the game. Um, it's, you know, so that's, that's what we're this week where our opponent is we can, each player is allowed two tickets for guests or spectators to come to the game. So it's going to be a, uh, minimal crowd to say to say the least. So we'll we might have sixty people there at the game to watch on for for us. and and I'm sure that they're probably doing something similar with their team, but they'll probably dress out more players, which will bring a few more people in as well. But prior to this week, the count the the county that we're going to be playing in, they had a 100-person gathering limit, which I was like, "Well, how are we even going to be able to play a game if that if that is in still in play?" But they've relaxed the rules on that and to allow to allow a high school football game.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, that's going to be limited. I can't believe you're traveling with 30 players for a varsity football game. That's <laughs> that's crazy.
1: Yeah, that's that's. Uh, that's going to be, that's going to be, I don't see, probably 1980 was the last time I traveled with a team that small. Yeah. <laughs> <unbelievable>. <laughs> uh,
0: now I know that we, we also uh, at F coaches and you uh, share a common partner, laser down, which makes digital down and distance markers and also offers sponsorship opportunities on the, on the down and distance markers. Um, how long have you been using laser down, down and distance markers and, uh, what, what's been the benefit for your team?
1: Well, you know, Mike Foster, who's, uh, that is a, the develop who developed that, that system, Mike and I were actually coached together at uh, the university of central Missouri many, many, many years ago. And, uh, we were in the playoffs in 2018 and Mike contacted me and he said, Hey, I've got this uh, system and we talked about it and he said, I want, I would, we had a home playoff game. He goes, would you be willing to use it for your playoff game? And I said, sure. Well, you know, so we brought it in, he brought in a system, we set it up and he was there at the game and instructed our, our, our chain chain gang, how to uh, how to operate the, the, the equipment and everything and it was it was amazing uh how beneficial i mean, you know i'm the offensive play caller on our staff and it was you know you had that immediate information where you don't have to rely on the the somebody in the box to tell you what your down and distance is and that kind of thing because that information just was was right there, it was on the opposite sideline, it's very easy to see, and uh, it was just instantaneous. you had that that down and distance situation right there in front of you. so I encouraged our booster club to purchase the system for us, and so we had it for all of our games last year the back, The bad side of it is, is when we travel, we don't have that. So you get used to having it for your home games. And then when you're on the road, then you've got to adjust because that's not what you're used to. So, um, so we're, we're, this will be our second year full having it full time. And uh, it is, uh, it's a, it's amazing equipment. And I, you know, as a, as an offensive play caller, it just makes a huge difference, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we've heard, you know, from coaches, players, officials, press box personnel, and fans that you know it's beneficial. And like you said, you know, if you're if you're alternating having it in, or using laser down and then not having it, it's it's a noticeable difference. Do you use it in practice um, for you know breaking down video or script days or anything like
1: that? Um, we, you know, it's it's obviously. You know, breaking down our video, or home video. It's it's nice to have again. It's one of those things when you're breaking down your opponent's video, you don't have that, and so it makes it a little. You it kind of spoils you to a certain degree. Uh, we do we do use it in practice when we're working on uh, down and distance situations um, in our teams in our team periods and that kind of thing. Um, so it, it's not something that we use every day, but we do use it periodically and, you know, once, probably once a week where we'll be working on down and distance situations, on, you know, during practice and, uh, and, and it, it, it is helpful because you don't even have to take, you actually don't even have to take the chain uh, chains out there. All you have to have is, is your down marker. And then you're you're line to gain, and it gives you the information that you that you need, so
0: yeah, that just reminds me of uh like I said, I live in Massachusetts, I remember with that whole uh spygate thing with the patriots <laughs> when when that video came out, i was I couldn't believe they were scanning from the the scoreboard, so every play'd it be like third and eight ball on the forty seven and then they'd go down and look at the play, but he, I guess now yeah. the the technology yeah. is a lot better now where you wouldn't right. ha- you wouldn't have to do that but um what about uh the sponsorship opportunity um do you take advantage of that and and how does that work
1: we are looking at we did not use that last year but i, I know our booster club is uh is looking at trying to um, get a sponsor and actually i think we have we have someone who has agreed to to do it and really i think the booster club our booster club is just wanting um to try to um get what we paid for for the system i mean obviously it's it's a little more expensive than what you would pay for your traditional down and distance uh chain sets but um but we'll we'll utilize that and then probably in in a couple years we will uh we you know we'll get back what what was paid for it and then after that it'll be um you know a situation where we'll start to make a little bit of money off of it again our community is relatively small we don't have a lot of you know big companies or anything like that in it it'll be someone somewhat more of a local business i think right now we have a veterinarian i think is going to is looking at possibly uh putting some advertisement on our on our system and uh, you know but he's uh he's a big supporter of our program and it gives him a little bit of uh gives him a little bit of publicity as well so
0: yeah, anytime you can get a return on investment for you know new technology that you buy for your program, that's a big plus. Well, Coach, right. I know you're getting started uh, this week, so I don't want to take any more of your time. Thanks for being so generous with your time on the on the day of the first game. It's been a pleasure having you. Um, I'm just going to remind our listeners that uh, if you do want any of this content, well, this, this uh, podcast or any other podcast, you can visit fnfcoaches.com. We're also going to be having constant content on coaches who are preparing to play this fall or coaches who are reacting to the fact that their seasons have been postponed and what their plan is for the fall season. Coach, thanks again uh, for taking the time. It was a pleasure having you.
1: It's My pleasure as well. Thank you for having me.
0: Okay, and thanks again for listening to FNF Coaches Podcast.